You know how sometimes things line up? Yeah. You know, like coincidences. Since we've been here, they've been happening more and more. I think, I feel like it means like she's getting closer. Who? The mirror girl? You don't believe me. I, 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 I do. I do. I'm, I'm processing. Okay? can't believe you kept all this inside for so long. podcast exploring faith and fear, what scares us and what saves us. This is The Fear of God. Hello everyone and welcome to another wonderful episode of The Fear of God podcast. Your favorite podcast, our favorite podcast. Here at The Fear of God, we find the holy and the horrific at the intersection of faith and fear. We dissect what scares us in order to find what saves us. I am one of your hosts, Nathan Rouse. Now, typically with me, um, comprising what would be our version of an us, is a college roommate, uh, best man at my wedding, just, just best man in general, if you know him, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, Reed Lackey, but he did say something about some family was in his driveway, and he 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 needed to go check on something, you know, out in the driveway. Some 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 folks who seemed to be, you know, loitering about his property. That which, I mean, he lives in Southern California. That can be a little bit of a I don't know, like that's just a that's not something you do in this day and age is loiter around someone's driveway in the still of the night. Okay. So don't, if you, if you ever have the impulse to do that to someone, I would advise you not to, uh, you, you know, harm may befall you, uh, regardless. Uh, in the meantime, if you have not done so, um, we would love it. Uh, we would love it. We would love you. Uh, if you would go leave us a rating or a review on iTunes. Um, we we have been featuring those on our Instagram as part of our kind of Throwback Thursday outings on Yield Insta. Also, I, Reed will I'm sure want to be in on this as well. But if you are not, do recall we have been pitching this to you that we are going to be discussing Pet Cemetery as 2019's first quarterly king. The new film, as of this recording, is officially out. Um, the book has been out for 30 years, as has the 89 film. Those are the primary texts we'll be using for the read. Hey, buddy, you're back. Hey, man, I was just letting everybody know about Pet Cemetery. Um, I presume you you recall that we're we're doing that, right? I do know about uh, I'm not quite, I don't know what I'm. 
I wanted to come and be on the podcast with you. And I'm so glad that you, you look, invited me. You look me. like Reed, but man, you do not sound. You don't sound like Reed. This is, Are you okay? This is going <laughs> to be a long episode. <laughs> I want to say oh my gosh. hello to <laughs> all okay. of all right. Yeah. yeah. I can't wow. keep that up for much. That for was much that was an impressive. I I really <laughs> applaud your commitment, my friend. That was great. That made me like I was. I've, I've had a weird kind of day, so I was coming into the com the conversation a little, you know, at neutral, and you just you just brought me up. Oh buddy. well, you did. You you, you made my you made my heart soar with that little comedic <laughs> bit you did. <laughs> that was that was great. I didn't even know how accurate it was to anything, but I was just, <clears throat> it was. Uh, oh, I. Oh, it was, it actually was impressively accurate. Okay. Yeah, yeah, all yeah. right. What listeners don't know is that like literally that, that idea to do that was spawned of, it was like seconds old. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. When I it just was, dove it into very, it. So it was a very fresh idea. Yeah. yeah. There it is. There we it heard, is. we heard there were some tunnels under the country and I was like, Hey, let's go get your, <laughs> let's go get your other. Um, oh my gosh. Anyway, welcome to the show, buddy. I was just telling everyone about Pet Cemetery. You know, oh, that's yes, like indeed. Upon us. It is. So uh, I'm sure you've already mentioned to them that if they have not read the book, they best get on it. And if they uh, have not seen the movie, they best get on it. And yeah, just acquaint themselves with whatever pet cemetery literature and or film that they so desire. Um, the core material being, of course, the primary text of the book. The new 2019 film, and I'm sure we will be discussing in, in at least a modicum of detail the 1989 film as well. So those are the canonical texts to acquaint yourself with. But before we, you know, so that's that's the heads up. That's the heads up for all of our listeners to go and check out Pet Cemetery. But before we get into what we're talking about today, if listeners do not already know and have not checked their feed and did not get the reference to what. I was attempting earlier, then I just got to ask you something, Nathan. Yeah. What? What you watching? What Ooh. you reading? What you listen to, Nate Rouse? <laughs> I should talk to you more. Make me laugh. <laughs> You're like, I've been feeling very, very down for a, a few yeah. a few weeks, and I'm not quite sure. Oh, it's because I haven't reached out to it's my buddy, Reed. Reed. <laughs> yeah, that oh was great. Gosh. That was that was you you're you're a man of many talents, Reed. Like you 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 could speak like a tethered, you can <laughs> tune a song to, you know, five on it. It's good. It's all <laughs> good, brother. Meanwhile, there are probably there like I appreciate the affirmation. It sincerely means a lot yeah. to me. But meanwhile, there's gonna be a lot of people out there being like, Man, that was awful. That was that was so dumb. Well, but, you know, they're not here, are they? <laughs> I mean <laughs> what, they, what do they count? Let them climb I'm, up their own let, you know, receive, tunnel receive and, the affirmation. And you know, move forward. You know, move move forward well I am, in that affirmation. I, I I am. I'm I'm proceeding. So yeah. So what you been what you been watching, reading, listening to? Um, I got two. How right. many you got? Uh, I want to tag back in on one, and then I've got one other one. So essentially right. two. You ta you tagging along. All right. So I did want to. Um, I am. You did this with a podcast about a month ago. Um, a podcast I have recently discovered. Um, that I, I want to encourage you to maybe check out because who knows, it's possible we might 
you know, see if we might cross over with this crew at some point in time. So um, that's 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 cart before the horse. I know, <laughs> but there's a podcast called Everything Trying to Kill You. Have you heard of this? I have heard of I have heard of this oh, really? podcast. Yeah. Okay. Now I must um, I must confess yeah. with apologies to any. Uh, members of that show or listeners, I have not checked it out yet, but it has hit my radar that I, of something that I should check out imminently. Well, I think I was just trying to do some research um, about diverse voices in the horror podcast realm, which is a really, really niche. You know, I mean, <laughs> we're pretty niche. That's also pretty niche. Like, you sure, know, yeah. Um, these these very small spaces uh, we occupy, but it's it's three uh, women of color who mm. just talk about horror movies all right so it's been kind of cool i did listen to their episode on us they had some really good stuff to share there oh, actually nice. they did an episode on misery mainly some stuff that we've covered wow. so I, or, or stuff i'm familiar with uh horror wise so yeah i'm sure uh, stuff which naturally would sort of beget that it's stuff we've kind of covered too so i did listen to those two but no it's it's good conversations you can tell i like to think like you and i these are folks who know each other well and have really robust dialogue in light of that relationship. So I have been listening to the everything trying to kill you podcast. It is worth, if you like what we do, it is definitely a little different, but it is similar. So, you know, go check it out. Awesome. That's fantastic. Can I tag back in on one of mine and then we'll just volley I, a little bit, please. All right. Please. So I, tag and volley. I just That's want two, to, uh, we're just mixing sports metaphors. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's true. We're just going to, run you know we're just going to run this down the end zone across home plate so basically what <laughs> so, so um i wanted to follow up because just last week i had mentioned to everybody about the whoa you know and and how i was just kind of <laughs> getting into okay for those who did not listen to last week i am referencing the netflix original show part two of the oa which dropped and uh yeah go listen to that little exchange my comments there to understand that joke but so uh i tagged back in on the whoa and when i did um, I just wanted to affirm, so the second season, I've now completed it, and it it did not hit the same emotional buttons that the ending of the first season did. As a matter of fact, I did go back after the second season had completed and watched the last maybe 10 minutes of the first season, you know, the finale of the first season, and cried again. Like, I just, the, wow. the, the ending of it just, whoa, whoa it just moves me. So much, but this one is the season two. Um, in some ways, I could see some people saying that that it was better because it's more complex in the science fictiony elements that it's exploring and the ideas of alternate dimensions and alternate selves and all of these different things that it is kind of playing at in some of its theses. It, it was far more intellectually engaging than I was prepared for, but a bit less emotionally engaging than I was hoping for. Now, that's again, that's not a ding. Uh, just the first season caught me so off guard with how uh, emotionally it, it gripped me. In you know, I don't, I don't know that I, I don't know that I've ever heard the plural for thesis said aloud. So that was kind of an educational moment. For oh, me. I've been thinking about it ever since you did it. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard a word you said because the moment you said <laughs> thesis, so, I was just like, what was your, what was your, uh, what you watching there? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Whoa. So, um, Whoa. but, uh, but no, so I just wanted so to tag back in. I highly recommend it. I'm very excited and hopeful for a season three. There are a lot of people talking about the OA, which leads me to believe that a lot of people watched it, of course. And hopefully that degree of prominence in the cultural conversation will, uh, 
prompt Netflix to renew it for a season three because I definitely think I want to see where they go from here. There is a doozy of a twist at the end of season two, and and I called it like seconds mm. before it happened. You are. You're a brilliant man. I'm, I'm pretty smart. But no, I called it like literally mere seconds before it happened. I didn't call it a long way away, but my wife was, you know, expressed some pride in me. Like, wow, that's good on you for calling that that's where she's, they were going. What did she well, say? Good on you for calling where that no, was. No, she's like, whoa. She, she was like, whoa. <laughs> whoa. <laughs> so anyway, that's. I just wanted to affirm since I was only a couple of episodes in it uh, last week that now I have completed it and it is um, it is quite good. Uh, again, less emotional than season one, but every bit the match intellectually. I think that I referenced in your in your last week rundown having slight familiarity. I think I watched maybe two or three of the first season. Like, is the architecture of so I don't know where it really goes. Sure. But is the architecture of the sh- of the show such that it's sort of geared for continuance, or it just kind of could. Yeah. It, 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 there are definitely threads at which, if this is all we get, it is terribly disappointing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, gotcha. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it, it doesn't. It doesn't quite end on what I would term a cliffhanger, but the dangling threads that it leaves, it would be uh, painfully unresolved if, they, if the story was not able to continue. From what I know. Uh, or have gleamed from little uh, ancillary interviews, they presumably have five seasons loosely plotted. And if if we're able to, would perhaps wrap the show in five seasons. So hopefully they get to fulfill that vision. Although first season was 2016, and we only just got season right. two. So, so I don't know. Right. I don't know. We'll see. But could be like 2030. Could be a while. <laughs> so, That's- but... Uh, but no, that feels that feels like infinitely far away. Right now. <laughs> it really does. And it's really only really only ten years. Oh my um, god. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> welcome, welcome to that conversation. Um, <laughs> my other what you're watching is I did take my big kiddos yesterday to go see Shazam. 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 Um, well, surprise, <clears throat> surprise, surprise. <laughs> well, hi, Andy. Um, <laughs> Golly. <laughs> what if what if you like tricked your kids into that you're like hey we're gonna go see shazam and you just plop them in front of gomer powell for two hours <laughs> is this this does not look anything like the trailers like everybody's just walking around like yeah small town problems this, this doesn't seem they don't right. they don't know if they're gonna make it to the dance because because gomer won't t- won't talk to his lady friend there <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know how to do this. Oh, when's Superman going to show up? <laughs> oh, it's great. Um, so, no, I did go see Shazam. It is, it's a lot of fun. Um, I have heard good things. You know, yeah, the, the good things you've heard are likely true. There, it's, it's such a pleasant experience to watch one of these DCEU movies, if we're even in that zone anymore, um, and just be like, no, that was a lot of fun. They didn't overthink it. Um, it's thoughtful. It's, it's actually thematically very rich. I was unprepared for kind of how thematically rich it was. My, my kids enjoyed it. They were, you know, shouting Shazam for an hour or two after it and, (laughs) you know, transforming into little superheroes. Um, (laughs) what is in, what is interesting, you'll get a kick out of this. So there's a little, um, six degrees of, of fear of God here. So do you know who the Mm. direct, do you know who the director of Shazam is? 
Uh, I don't have it in front of me. No, I, I, I well, it didn't the, ping me his, when I seen it. Seen his, it before. his name is David Sandberg. Well, David Sandberg, uh, going backwards chronologically, d- directed Annabelle Creation oh. and directed Lights Out, neither of which we've covered on here. Mm, but mm. did you know that this will this will blow your mind and, and pos- possibly annoy you at the same time? So he, I, I believe he's Norwegian. So he made he made a short film of Lights Out, a short film version of Lights Out. I've I've seen and, that. Holy oh, really? cow! Okay. Holy cow! So, yeah. Holy cow! Whoa! It's, whoa! It's yeah. Whoa! It's pretty terrifying. Uh, oh, whoa! Um, you should see Suzanne. That's really <laughs> scary. Um, uh, so he made a short film version of Lights Out that he submitted for a for a contest. He won the contest. That short film version of Lights Out went viral, mm-hmm. and then he just starts getting calls from Hollywood. Oh man! Next thing he knew, he was making a feature version of Lights Out. Yeah, had never had never been on a full film set. Um, you know, is like totally fish out of water. And then here we are, what four or five years later, he's directed a major tentpole you know, superhero action adventure. Yeah, that is how it happens. It's wild for some that is people. Wild. Yeah. Well, you know, it sounds quite so resentful. <laughs> now, now you're like, I'm not going to go see Shazam. I'm throwing the microphone down. I'm done. <laughs> Shazam that. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm kidding. No, no, sincerely. I'm, uh, that's, it's a pretty uh, that encouraging a, story. Yeah, it's an amazing story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and if you're on the fence, Shazam is worth it. Go see it. Uh, it is a, if, now, my kids are eight and 10. There's a center set piece of the film, like in the middle of the film, that's pretty dark. Like hmm. it made sense to me realizing this was a horror director because some of the creature designs are very. Actually, they the, the creature designs look great, but they are pretty dark. Hmm. Um, so so no, it's 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 a really solid flick. Well worth your time. Go see Shazam. Shazam. All right. Well, speaking of uh, creature designs and and scary stuff, so my last what you're watching is. Uh, I'm going to tag back in and reference, uh, they're, they're not our friends, but we want them to be, uh, the uh, streaming service Shudder. So I had said, I want to say it was last year, about middle of last year, about how they had brought back the old TV icon from uh, TNT's Monster Vision fame, Joe Bob Briggs. And they had brought him back for a massive marathon of 13 films uh, beginning on the evening of Friday the 13th last year, and uh, Shutter had like Shutter's services, uh, their servers crashed because so many people were trying to watch this, um, and it was really impressive and it was great. The popularity was such that because Joe Bob was essentially retired, so they brought him back, and when he was brought back, it was supposed to be like this last hurrah. Literally, it was called the last drive-in. And so he was brought in like, I'm going to do this one big thing and then be done. But the popularity was such that uh, they recognized the fan base was there. So they brought him back for a um, a Thanksgiving sort of mini montage, just four films around Thanksgiving called Dinners of Death. And then they brought him back for Christmas when he did four of the Phantasm films, four films in the Phantasm franchise. Um, well, now they have brought, Shudder officially has... Last two Friday nights, I have enjoyed myself with this. Um, they've brought back Monster Vision. He hosts two films. 
um, and he does his usual break in with trivial uh, information and comedy bits and and uh, and so it's just two. I appreciate that week. you didn't say he does trivial bits because that is copyrighted by us, it and is. we would have to sue Trademark. Shutter Trademark. If they the fear of God. Right, trivial yes. trivial bits. <laughs> Tri- um. Trivial bits. Um, <laughs> so, so, but no, he. Uh, so it's cool. Because, Hands off our bits, Joe Bob. Oh, <laughs> MG. So, so anyway, he. He is, is back. That'll, that'll make you shudder. That it, yeah, it will. So, whoa. And so, uh, he's, he's, he's back. Listen, y'all, this movie today is going to be really heavy. So we're just kind of getting, just getting some, it all, all out to, of our, all out of our system yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's back with a double feature every Friday night. And then what's cool about shutter. I've always appreciated that they do this. They have these sort of event moments that it's kind of cool. You can plant yourself down on a Friday night. If you have the opportunity and you can just sit down and watch either a portion or all of this, uh, this thing on their, on their live feed as it were. But then about maybe 24 to 36 hours later, like about a day and a half later, they will drop the entirety of the broadcast on demand for you to watch at your leisure. And, and and it's one of the things I really appreciate about the service is they do drive you towards sort of the event model, but in the event you cannot, you know, you don't have that discretionary time, it is available for you to watch after the fact. And so, yeah, the so essentially it's called The Last Drive-In, but essentially Monster Vision is back. Uh, Shutter has revived Joe Bob Briggs. Uh, for good and full now, and I am I am loving it. Uh, so every weekend I get a couple new double features from Joe Bob, and I'm enjoying it a lot. So that has been, if you're okay, that has been another I'm installment. A, I'm okay. You're okay? Oh. Uh-huh. What you watch and reading, watch and reading, listening, reading, listening to what you watch and reading, watch and reading, listening to. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a Joe Bob reference or just a re re No, that's you know that's Shazam right there. That's Andy oh. Griffith show. <laughs> I know I'd like to reference the fifties thing, but come on, that's Nathan oh Rouse. That God. is culturally Oh my goodness. That is, that is that's available to people. Well golly, Lackey. Well golly. Yes. <laughs> Oh Lord! Great day, man. The Smothers Brothers, Gomer (laughs) Pyle. It's just a, it's just a retro year for the fear of God. (laughs) Just well, that's what happens when you have me as a co-host. You get all of these obscure things. I mean, you know, the almost forty and the seventy. You know, like it's just, just yeah, kind of where we fall demographically. I love that moving Um, picture box. <laughs> yeah, back when Joe Bob's first run was on, I was a wee forty years old. Um, so Reed, I, I, I'm, I miss Hill House. Yeah, it's like I I, it's it. like I want to talk about it, but yeah, I get it. I we get we kind of talked it out. That was a good. That was a good time. That was a good run. It was a good run. Uh, yeah, we kind of we maybe can... we'll maybe we'll do some sort of fan poll in the near future for like another TV show. Sure, I would maybe. love that. I would love to hear what what the uh, get a little bit of feedback, what the audience thought about it, and uh, what they'd maybe like to see us cover that way again. Um, but in the meantime, I want to talk about us. Yeah, me and so, you. Like it's a DT, yeah. DTR time. So Nathan, listen. Yeah, we've been friends friends a long Tell time. Me. So yep, I just. Uh, <laughs> I just whoa too close too too much too close much. have you ever seen you know those little <laughs> you know those little candy what? hearts that they have yeah. around, 
going? Around yes. Valentine's Day. I do know those disgusting little candy hearts. Yeah. So they had one. It was it was a. Uh, how do other candies? How do other candies expect to make money when Reese's things exist? Like it's a good question. You know, That's like the point. Easter, like the egg, and oh the gosh, Christmas tree. Yeah. That stuff is like. I would believe there's drugs in there. I've never done drugs, to my knowledge, <laughs> unless Reese's is actually laced with drugs, which I would believe. I got well, that and star- that and s- anyway, right, right, right. Yeah. That and Starburst jelly beans. Mm, like, Starburst jelly beans. Oh my gosh. Oh, OMG. Um, I would. Yeah. I mean, those are. Well, anyway, what? what so about the candy hearts. Heart so no, the, what you just said, uh, like a couple of minutes ago, made me think of the. Uh, <laughs> made me think of there was this little thing when Valentine's Day came out, and it was like the anti-Valentine's Day little candy hearts, and and they had. Uh, they had phrases on it that would be like rejection statements instead of like, oh, heart you or sweetheart or something like that. They would have one that said like, not so close, okay? And we're better off as friends and lose my number and stuff like that. And I just I just thought it was funny. My favorite oh. of them was the not so close, okay? Just, just stand, stand over yeah. there. Stand over there. That's my yeah. favorite. So, and it just, it just made me Those think are- about that. Those are so, mean. But no, I, w- I, I would like to extend my hand to you and let's hold hands across America and dive into this complex, the um, follow-up feature to um, his runaway success, uh, Get Out, the follow-up Ew, feature. You haven't said his name. Jordan Peele. Jordan mm-hmm. Peele. Uh, the follow-up feature is called Us. And uh, Did you ever watch any Key and Peele? I have not watched much. I have, have you only seen Peele? scattered sketches that certain friends would recommend to me. I I must admit right. I have I have not. So it's it's interesting. We don't need to spend. We should not spend a lot of time on this. But I was a gigantic fan. I was on the the train when Chappelle's show was a big thing. Like really loved 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 Chappelle's show. Now Dave Chappelle. I don't know his. Ex- I we would be far remiss to speak for anybody in this context, but I have heard uh, Chappelle express some, I don't know if you would call it angst or disappointment or frustration. No, I've I've heard this. Yeah. Yeah. That, that he was like, okay, so I, he had the, you know, the huge popularity with his show, like the biggest thing ever. And then he walks away from it from some creative differences, and that's very reductive because there was a lot going on. And he's pretty open about it, honestly. He's he's talked a lot about it in in published specials that you could seek out. But then he said when he went, you know, Key and Peele, not too long after, it began to kind of fill that void. And and the way Dave Chappelle has described it is, you know, I had to sit there year on year and watch Key and Peele do my show. And um, that, I think, if, if I'm being just my scattered opinion about it, not having watched a lot of Key and Peele, um, I do think that's perhaps a bit unfair. I mean, I don't. Yes. I, I think it would be too reductive to say, like, hey, these two people who are clearly... Because I, I really like Keegan-Michael Key a lot. I have not watched Key and Peele, but my wife and I do watch the improv show Whose Line Is It Anyway? Um, which have you ever heard of that is show? Is he on that now? He, have I ever heard of that show? You've known me for twenty years. What are you? What are you asking me that for? We watched that show in theater class twenty years ago. Shazam! Yes, heard of, <laughs> goodness gracious! Have I heard of whose line is it anyway? Wow. Well, so fine. Wow. Didn't realize you were going to take such umbrage. That's like me. That's like me asking you, Hey, Reed, have you ever heard of The Simpsons? You went. Like, that's a fair I, point. I just that's know that point. you know The Simpsons. Yeah. yeah Sorry. But you, wow. You just continue. I didn't ask your... if you'd ever heard of X Files. You know, like, come on. Well, sure. 
<laughs> went all tethered yes, on Yes, I've heard so, of Whose Line Is It Anyway. Anyway, on the new iteration of it, um, he has frequently guested. I think he's been a guest star on it for probably like six or seven times. So I've been, I've been privy to his sort of improvisational skills, which I find very funny. He's shown up in a couple of films that I've really enjoyed a lot, too. There was the one that immediately comes to mind is there was an independent. Uh, it's technically a dramedy, but more drama than comedy. Um, called Don't Think Twice that's really quite moving and that I loved a lot. And he was a star in that in that piece. So I'm more familiar with Key's solo work than with right. Key and Peele. I'd only seen scattered, as I said, scattered sketches of theirs. But um, so Jordan Peele. Yeah, I, yeah. go ahead. I, I, I actually don't know a ton of Key and Peele stuff, but what I have seen of it, I thoroughly enjoy. You ought to go, this is one of the only ones I really am familiar, that familiar with. They do this running sketch that's like poorly articulated nfl player names it's hysterical Mm. but yeah i'm i'm familiar with the Chappelle criticism i actually think it's quite an unfair criticism and it Mm. feels a little haughty on his behalf to 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 level that criticism because it's like you did walk you did walk away from this you know and like like so any anyway i've i've heard that and even when i did initially hear it i was like "Eh, i don't know old dave anyway regardless um it has been fascinating to watch key and peel's divergent careers go the directions they have Mm -hmm. you know we did if you're new-ish to the show um we did cover get out roughly around about the time of its release somewhere in there it was Um, uh well we had actually sadly it was almost a year after it was released but really yeah but the reason we covered it was because it had made the number one of the favorite films of the previous year. But it was almost a year after it had released oh. that we covered it. Yeah, But um, it was number one listener-voted favorite horror film of 2018, I believe. No, 2017. So yeah, but yes, we did cover that. We had uh, my friend Anthony Doris on there conversing about that and its various themes. Um, but Us is a bit of a... I mean. It's interesting because I think the comparisons are inevitable. I want to camp here for an iota before we move on to the substance of us. Um, The comparisons, it's very difficult when you launch onto the directorial scene with a film like Get Out. And then your follow-up film, the comparisons between the two are probably inevitable. But I, I don't know in scouring some brief interviews here and there. I'm wondering, it's just a question. I wouldn't fight too hard for it, but I'm wondering if some people who were not quite on the wavelength of what us is after, I don't know if they were just expecting something really akin to get out. I'm I just, I, I'm trying to wrap my head around exactly why, well, why, why, there's, what? why there's somewhat ambivalence towards, uh, well, us. that's so, this may be one of we do this occasionally where the bulk of the conversation is not quite so encased in our traditional format because sure, sure. Uh, listeners won't know this but Reed and I have actually not debriefed our thoughts on us we we've not even intentionally it just it just we haven't had the opportunity to connect over it yeah. um so i do think it merits if you've not seen us um there are there's one major beat that can be spoiled and we will spoil. Yes. Um, generally speaking, there's not a ton that can be quote unquote spoiled per se. You might disagree with that. And just, it's a, it's a kind of a vibe based film. It's very mm-hmm. production, high production design. Um, but 
in brief, the summary is late 80s, I believe, like 86, 85, yes. somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, starts the film, young girl, uh, African-American family, mother, father, daughter, are at a, a, a little carnival in, in California. They're actually in Santa Cruz Beach. Okay, where? <laughs> Santa um, Cruz Beach. Okay, okay, gotcha. I got five on you. Um, <laughs> so, so yes, they're at this carnival. Um, while in this little fun house, the, the daughter drifts away. While in this little fun house, she encounters a doppelganger. That becomes, if you've seen the trailer at all, you know this, um, that becomes the kind of present threat of the film is this notion of the doppelganger. Well, uh, fast forward to the end of the movie because we'll unpack the ins and outs of it as we go, but it, it merits just go ahead and spoiling it here. So fast forward to the end of the movie. What you uh, learn pause, is pause, pause, yep, real quick. Sorry, yeah. No, you're, you're giving lip service to spoiler, but I do want to be very intentional about it. Like, cause you, cause you said it's more of a vibe film. What Nathan's about to share with you is the major spoiler of the film. If you haven't seen it, pause now. Sorry. Proceed. Well, let me back up. And so, and, and do you, do you want to give that more formally before I, or no, 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 too? no, it doesn't matter. Okay, you can, okay, you can okay, keep okay. the strain. I just wanted um, to be really explicit. Like, Hey, that yeah, is yeah. a major yes, spoiler. Yes. It, it, yeah. The, the major spoiler of the film. If you're listening to this episode, you know we do this but so what you learn at the end of the film which is not explicit at the beginning is this doppelganger has replaced that character lupita nyango who plays is featured prominently in trailers and whatnot she is the adult version of this young girl she did get replaced by her doppelganger that's the big or or a big facet of of turning this narrative on its ear a bit but you know the the film props up and then we can move into you know, more meta conversation around it. The film opens with on-screen text about these tunnels that exist under our country, the the United States, um, and how no one knows what these tunnels are used for. And uh, presumably this is an an actual thing, you know, these tunnels, Um, but the movie positions, no one knows what these things are used for. Um, And so the idea of the movie is there's this, what you come to learn is heard this, this, throng this populace of doppelgangers that exist under there that have that are now moving into the top world so i i know that's not as encapsulated but it's a lot there's a lot at work in this movie so you mentioned a minute ago so circling back around to this i i was i was really desperate to try to watch this movie again before we talked about it because there's so much at work that it is difficult Mm -hmm. to to wrestle down, and I mean, you might prove me wrong here, but it, it's difficult to wrestle this down in a single viewing because there's just, you're, you're kind of experiencing this rolling revelation as it goes of like, oh, oh, okay, now, oh, okay. You know, just this ongoing sort of comprehension of, of what the narrative is doing. Yeah. I will say, you made the comment five minutes ago now, and this is a long-winded way of addressing that comment, of uncertainty or 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 kind of having trying to suss out okay it seems like there may be less reception i i think we can unpack this i think us is an unabashed work of art like Mm -hmm. uh, you know i've been i've been processing as building to this conversation of like okay what do i think about this movie that i saw you know it is an unabashed work of art it is not direct at all and right. there are there are direct aspects to it, like oh, she was really her, you know, like that kind of thing. But Get Out is a very focused concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a high concept, but there is a clear kind of resolution to the narrative and its concept in it that makes. So we're 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 exploring. We're not explaining here. So I'm feeling out. Sure. I haven't really 
talked about this movie with much of anybody, honestly, at least in any sort of expanded form. Okay. There's a way that us is very unresolved. And so Hmm. as a viewer, what it leaves you in is more a state of ponderance and uh, and not, not ponder us, but ponderance. You're pondering. You're like trying to suss out, okay, what did I see? What do I think about what I saw? What do I, and how do I interpret what I saw? There's a lot of layers and levels. So I think maybe I'm totally misreading what you were sort of posing. That's how I would explain what it sounds, what I, what I think mm-hmm. you're describing, because I, I sort of feel that way. It's not a negativity. It's a, I'm still not totally sure what to make of it. Mm-hmm. Um, because, and kudos to Jordan Peele. I think he's not interested in a real resolved feeling for a viewer in this movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, Does, yeah, I don't like, like do, when you, when you posed that a minute ago of feeling like there's maybe some, some free floating ambiguity about it. Like, is that would, would does that resonate? That it idea? does. It does. And I, th- yeah, you're scratching at the, the resolved element of it or the lack of resolved element in us versus in get out. One of the things that I had kind of landed on is I feel as if, so both films get out and us deal with, as Jordan Peele has openly expressed, he's interested in dealing with sort of social horrors, um, social ills, expressed and used as metaphor in the horror genre. Now, in Get Out, so many of the metaphors are so apparent. They are uh, overt and obvious. Some people, I am not in this camp, but some people have criticized them, uh, criticized Get Out for how overt it is and for how direct it is. Um, I'm not in that camp. But one of the things that really so i'm I'm gonna put my cards on the table right now yeah for for us um for me and you yes for you and i okay um (laughs) between the two films at the moment and after few weeks of digesting i prefer us um perhaps by Me, me and you yeah, I pr- I prefer us to everything. Okay. Honestly, <laughs> can I can I ask you how many times you're going to make that joke? <laughs> well, I, you know, I thought that in the moment right before I did that, and that one was too good to pass up. You said you, pref- you prefer us. I, I was like, well, us. I gotta I gotta okay. go for all right. it. All right, all right, Shazam. So, um, <laughs> so, um, so basically, I um, and and I chatted with my wife a little bit. She and I saw this together, and I I chatted with her a little bit when it was over. We were kind of trying to. Um, understand what we thought we saw what we thought it means and i feel like because the metaphors in us are a bit more beneath the surface they're a a bit harder to work towards i feel like that energized me more in the piece and i feel like it has given me more to chew on and think about after the fact just for me individually this is not in any way to detriment get out but in terms of like we're gonna do the thing right now that probably is bad um in in a broad sense of like well comparing one thing to another but if i were if i were looking at the follow-up film to that piece uh something about us's ambiguity and its more subdued and subverted ideas um has more excited and energized me as time has gone on and now Okay, 
a couple thoughts. This is gonna be this is gonna be fun. Yeah, I like this conversation yeah. already because yeah. it, uh, you know it's it's funny. I didn't go see this with I did see it with a buddy, but but we didn't really unpack it because it was a late showing. I have not had conversations. Oh, like okay. I've list, I've read a bunch and I've listened to a bunch, but I've not had conversations. And so I wonder, this is purely a curiosity. I just don't know. I wonder if your ability, you know, you went to see it with your wife. Like, I wonder if that helped you process. Like, I feel like I've just been, I, I've been listening to everybody else's diagramming the mm, movie mm, mm-hmm. and not really had that opportunity to sort of process some of it because now tell me if you would disagree with this. It, you, you, you totally can. I'm just trying to think out loud here. Like I think get out is a more satisfying piece of film, like a piece of movie going mm-hmm. like inter uh, a more satisfying piece of entertainment. Um, okay. I think, I think us is probably a more robust piece of art. I mean, mm-hmm. it is, if that, if I can make that distinction. Oh, um, of course. Where do you want to go? Where do you want to go with well, this? Well, like, so, so I'll respond to that. I think that's part of what surprised me. I was hoping I would maybe like it on par. I was not expecting to like it notably more. And I, I really liked Get Out. I, I would say elements of Get Out I loved. But I was not expecting to respond to us even more positively, even sitting right here, um, if I had to pick, okay, which now granted us is newer and so it's fresher, but which would I rewatch right now? I would rewatch us. Us excites me tremendously because of, I feel like with us, he dove into something that was as culturally relevant as what he's exploring in Get Out, that was as uh, timely, but was and and I don't know maybe this is a, a negative or says something negative about me but I feel like what is what get out is dealing with is very specific to not only the minority experience but to the African American experience yes. and I feel like what us is dealing with goes far beyond that that the sure. the, the things us is scratching for are elements that that do stretch into a bit uh, a bit of cross cultural uh, implications. Right. Oh, totally. And, totally. um, and, and that I think, uh, I don't know why that specifically excites me more. Perhaps, uh, it's a relatability factor. Perhaps it's a matter of, uh, of just the way its metaphors are a bit more under the surface, but, uh, but it, 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 it did. I like, I really, I was well, very, very taken with us. I think that is correct. I'm going to rattle off a few thoughts at you real quick. Cause you're good at you're good at absorbing these things and um, throwing them back at me. You're like sure. Bishop in the X-Men. You like absorb energy <laughs> and blast it back. Um, wow. Blast it right back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks um, for that. So um, this, I'm so frustrated I didn't get to watch this again because there's some movies that, you know, you can watch and get a good feel for it enough for a, a pleasant conversation and, and even maybe a thought-provoking conversation. Then there's stuff like this that are just really operating at a different kind of level. And yeah, thus, yeah. you know, like I was... I I forgot to mention this with my Shazam moment a little while ago, but like, how do I say this? I didn't find us the as a as a quote unquote horror movie. It it ultimately was not very scary to me in its text. Now its subtext is extremely, you know, scary is the wrong word, but its subtext is definitely uh, uh, troubling, disturbing, interesting, compelling, but. I was so annoyed that so much of what we would consider the scary imagery was in the trailer. Like it really annoyed me oh, watching okay. it. I was like, "Oh, okay. this is like 
like everything is in here you know the 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 young boy doppelganger in the fire imagery the yeah. you know scaling the tree imagery just the general their family now i will say to your point about the broadness of what he's after um and and yes i do think that's deeply valuable and where we'll end up steering in terms of thematic stuff I did love, because I was lo- probably like you, going in expecting an examination of the African-American experience, African-American experience and, and sort of sort of ready to receive that. Sure. And so then when the Elizabeth Moss family is revealed to have their own doppelgangers, like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, okay. Yeah, right. Um, That's a freaky uh, you know, scene. Oh, it's great. Yeah, it's, it's great. I mean, it's, yeah, it's excellent. That I think that might be in terms of the scare stuff because they well this is perfectly this makes sense for for me based on what I just said that is something they withhold from promotional right. material right and so when it happens it energizes me it's like oh cool I didn't see this coming this is new right new new narrative that I didn't anticipate and so I really enjoyed that I'm gonna throw something at you and I'm worried you're gonna be like. Nathan, you idiot. I know you wouldn't really do that, but I'm prepping for the worst here. <laughs> okay. But you're you're a Twilight Zone aficionado. There is and and Peel is uh, even ignoring the the CBS remake that he's doing, like he is unabashedly like this this movie is inspired by Mirror Image, which is a Twilight Zone episode. Like this right, this is very much right. the the heartbeat of like in interviews and stuff he talks about the doppelganger and how mm-hmm. this scares him. Well, I'm going to just say this knowing it's one of these narrative quibbles that just isn't worth necessarily maybe camping out on. But I think one of when I talk about the unresolved nature of this movie, the movie itself feels like it's 90 percent idea and that's okay, 90 percent theme and like 10 percent narrative. Now, the narrative that is there is huge. What I mean by this is the logistics like my brain starts to try to work through the logistics of what this shadow society means and what, how it's oh, kind of okay. been there and operated. Okay. And hear me, I'm not even contending that that should be something I dwell on. It's just now when this is a global thing or even just a, a, a United States based thing, because the movie isn't quite, it would seem to suggest that it's basing it primarily in the United States for thematic reasons. Oh, I definitely agree. Else. Yeah. Um, well, then I start to try to work through the logistics. And then I'm like, oh, well, I, ah, my brain is hitting a wall uh, sure, on sure. how to make this all work. So, sure. Uh, no, I would never, I would never be like, I'm not, ar- I'm not arguing that's a legitimate sort of complaint or criticism. I am saying it is something that has, I've had a hard time just merely overlooking without pondering it further. I can understand that. And I feel like something that I've perhaps maybe been too dismissive of in my, general viewing engagement of fantasies, horrors, thrillers, science fiction, anything containing a sort of otherworldly quality to it, regardless mm-hmm. of how realistic its components may be or may appear, something like that pops into the frame, the idea of like, oh, there is a mirror society underneath and there is an immediate acceptance on my part. I'm not concerned with the, and, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't be or that no viewer should, shouldn't be, but I think the reason it didn't bother me is because I just immediately accept it. They will either tell me how it came into being or they won't, but in this world, this is a thing. 
this is a thing that that exists and and so now what does it mean it, it's kind of more concerning with the with the why than the how it's okay so yes what it, but what i guess it, yeah go ahead i'm sorry to cut you off you, we just haven't talked about this movie and so <laughs> the, the, gear, the gear the gears are finally being allowed to turn um i guess though i'm gonna have a hard time articulating this and it's gonna make me feel dumb but like and and this is a this is where your personal affection and familiarity with the twilight zone motif benefits you because is it not then if if we're not concerned with logistics and i'm i am i can talk myself into being okay with that then does it not just make the movie itself metaphor does that make sense? That question makes sense at all. No, uh, okay, so let me hear. Let me repeat back what I what I'm hearing from you, and see if this is, <laughs> see if this is it. It's 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 at a certain point is a story merely about its idea, and and is it no longer uh, you know trying to be con- connected to something more logical or tangible beyond the the narrative world beyond the narrative fictional universe yes sort of that because yes uh i didn't even put together it's funny you mentioned this i am now years old when i put together realizing like oh yeah get out and us would both qualify for like extended filmic twilight zone scenarios like they they essentially yeah are are that um and yes, I, I I've loved the Twilight Zone since I was a wee lad, and uh, there is one of the brilliant things about Serling's creation of the Twilight Zone is in his premise he basically gave the audience members permission to to stop worrying about how something was possible and simply yes. accept that this thing exists in this scenario that in this particular situation. This is the condition that I'm about to show you. And because he had wrapped it all up in this weird, like, it's the Twilight Zone. It's a strange, otherworldly, alternate reality type of situation. And because he did that, the listeners are then given automatic permission to be like, oh, this does not have to make logical sense in a real and logical world. It, But it does not then, and this is, I think, a mistake that some people would make in approaching stories like the Twilight Zone then they either reduce, I'm not saying you're doing either of these things, but they either reduce it to, oh, this is just a message piece, and therefore I can dismiss it because it's just a message piece. Or they try to unpack every, they they try to infuse more meaning than it really has. Um, We on this show say we explore, we don't explain. Um, right. Yet many times we come to a certain degree of conclusion. We come, you know, we come to at least a landing pad most of the time right. where right. we will say this is kind of how I feel about this basic thing. And I know from certain interviews I've read, Rod Serling is one of my favorite writers. And uh, he said often in interviews that um, he really would just have the idea and and it was OK if the idea just was an idea and that it was not necessarily extended to well how do we how do we uh, live this out in the real world how do we respond to a thing like this it's just this is a this is an idea of a current condition and i'm not really sure certainly never this is not a quote by any means but would often express um it it is about shining a certain spotlight on the tendencies of people 
the tendencies of society, patterns in behavior and patterns of thought, and how those patterns uh, might be challenged or might be seen in different contexts to be abhorrent or dangerous or worthy of interrogation. So, the, and I think when you're looking at, and it does make perfect sense. I mean, here Jordan Peele has, you know, rebooted the Twilight Zone. I haven't watched it yet, his iteration of it, but here he's rebooted the Twilight Zone, and maybe with these two films, he's that's what his entire career <laughs> is going to be about. It's like rebooting Twilight Zone for for this different context. But I do feel like if you if you walk out of us now. This might sound like a bold statement. I don't want you to take offense to it because I'm not directing it at you. But I do feel like if you walk out of us and what you can't get past is how was the conceit possible, I think you've missed the point. And that's said to to any sort of viewer. Is It's like if that's where the thought process stops, I don't think that sure, was, sure, was yeah, the relevant yeah, yeah. point. Yeah. No, and I, I think that's a reasonable assertion. That said, and this is why I was so anxious to try to see this again, I think there are there is a tool set that this type of entertainment sort of requires to to really be able to like I I am you know discerning enough uh, bright enough to not let my affection be ha- be stymied by logisticals. That said, it's only once I know, oh, the logisticals, they're not irrelevant, but they're not the primary, that now I'm like, well, dadgummit, now I need to watch this again. This is why, this oh, is why I keep saying okay. it. It's like, well, now I, know, now I understand the rule set I should have come in with. And okay. I didn't quite know that that was sort of, and you know, it is what it is. Like, part of, part of it, it's just, it's such a rich text that it's, Sure. That yeah. you 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 know it's like oh my gosh you know it's John Locke watching the the you know the, the Hatch video. Um, we got you like that. <laughs> I do like um, that. I do like that. Well, and Lost well, is a, a, yeah. a halfway decent counterpoint to the fact that one of the one of the major criticisms frequently hurled at Lost is a lack of explanation, a lack of of answers, as it were. And something that I will say about the film Us that I would that I frequently defend about Lost is. When peop- There is a distinction in my mind between answers and explanations, and people will say, well, I want answers, and it's like, well, no, you've got an answer. It's a fantasy answer, or it's an answer that is somewhat otherworldly, but you've, you've got an answer. What you don't have is an explanation for how it all works, and in this situation, approaching the film Us, or else I'll have a whole episode about Lost, approaching the, <laughs> fi- approaching the film Us... It's like we we have an answer. There exists in these tunnels beneath the world beneath the ground. There exists a mirror world of what takes place above the surface. And this world is directly tied through some supernatural force. I mean, we see in that underground uh when they when they are panning through the the shot, you see characters on a roller coaster and then the underground version of people are strapped into and attached to nothing, but they are, you know, their bodies are mimicking the sort of upward and downward motion that you would feel on a roller coaster. So there is some uh, otherworldly force, uh, scientific force, whatever uh, wrappings you want to imagine for yourself, there is some tether, literally, in the film. There is a tether between 
this version of you and this version of you. And so what the film, I feel um, deftly, uh, what I feel it is deftly exploring is that what were to happen if the tether, the two people at either end of it, were to swap places? What what would that look like when right. those two things were reversed? And there's there's so much in terms of like the the symbolism and you know commentary in the film that I'm sure we'll we'll at least scratch up against if not directly get into. But um, that I think is is what the film wants you to consider and think about is you know what happens if those roles flip and yes. you know, what does and that I, look and- like. And I want to have this brief back and forth one last time before we, you know, kind of move into other areas, which I'm totally okay with. As a, as a, just a note, like I don't mind the lost analogy you made, but there is a world where the lost things, the people, the things that people wanted, quote unquote, answers to and lost can be extrapolated if you just sort of talk it out. Like there's a way you can kind of get there. Whereas, and I, I am. I did not come up with this sort of curiosity around the movie Us, but things like I heard someone on a podcast talking about the movie, uh, one of the the shows I listened to, that just casually brought up the notion because, like, you just made the point about the roller coaster couple. There's such an there's such an intentional establishment of literalism between the tethers. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That let's say what what happens to your tethered when you fly out of the country things like that i'm not i'm not i'm not arguing that we camp out there i'm just saying like that's no, where it. sort of mm-hmm. logistical sort of questions sort of beg to be asked when the literalism is so established sure regardless uh, and well and, and a, let me join ahead, your camp please. let me yeah. join your yeah. camp for just a second there's there are some i guess i, I okay so I'm going to make this statement. It's going to, to be, be fair. I'm not, I don't feel like I'm in a camp. I'm just trying to feel out. Thoughts, but go ahead. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. It makes sense. Um, I'm, I'm going to hurl what might be criticisms at the film, and then I'm going to make a rather bold statement. So there are, in the film as it currently exists, in, in even abiding by the rules and not needing explanations, there are some logical holes. Okay, well, these these two individuals swapped places. What all these years, because clearly they broke free at some point, what all these years was stopping them from breaking free before? Like, why did she have to then become an adult before she broke free? She obviously remembered that she came from up above. Why did she not, you know, break out earlier? And and, and there's all kinds of question marks that you could hurl against that. Um, so the, I, I think that w- what I gleaned from this particular scenario is, you know, in old Twilight Zone language, I love that you've so connected this to me for the Twilight Zone, but um, in old Twilight Zone language, it's like, okay, picture a world in which this has, this has occurred. And now this is the outgrowth of response from the tethered um, who have, who have grown weary of their station. And, and, and I feel like somebody could easily hear what I'm about to say and be like, like you, like you expressed about yourself earlier. They they would say, "Read, you're an idiot. That that doesn't work for me," and move on down the line. That's fine. That's fair. That's okay. Maybe the film was not for you, or maybe it was trying to be for you and didn't work for you. 
both of those things are fair. But for me, it really was just sort of stepping onto what I felt like was the wavelength of the film to say, how do we feel about this observation regarding a group of people who, I mean, the implications in that final twist, as you said, there's not much to spoil in the film, but that final twist is a big deal. The implications behind the fact that she, as a child, broke free from her tether and forcibly swapped places with the other and then went on to live a full life and thus lived such a full life that she forgot where she came from, which there's conversation there, but lived a full, such a full life that she forgot her history and she forgot her condition. And then what happens when she's so rawly confronted with it? And what is her what is her reaction? What's her response? And I feel like those are the those are the things I've just always been an individual who is. And again, this is not absolution for this film or any film like it. But I I have I've observed this about myself that I am just immensely and immediately comfortable with metaphors. I am very, very friendly with metaphors. Metaphors show up in a film, in a television episode, something like a metaphor pops up and I'm just because of part of how I'm wired, I'm immediately <laughs> shaking hands with that metaphor and not no longer concerning myself, and maybe I should concern myself with it more. I'm no longer concerning myself with well, how does that work, and what does that mean? Now, right, right, now right. I am well, immediately on that wavelength. Yes, and and I and and I do want us to move into some more technical aspects, but I I totally agree with you. I like to think I am of a similar bent. I think in this particular instance, this is why I was so craving to try to get back to it because I really wanted to. I approached it as fantasy literalism, mm. and I I want to reapproach it as metaphor to be able to. I think have a stronger connection to uh, hear me it's it is a deep film and i think we're probably going to find some good stuff but i think my first go around it took a little while for me to kind of plug in and realize the wavelength that it was transmitting regardless um i do want to let's let's camp out on a few just like technical stuff you know what would in past eras be like dislike but like lapita nyongo is is just uh, astonishing she's stunning I mean, in this film she's I mean, absolutely goodness staggering yes it's it's an impressive i mean everybody is called upon to do some degree of dual performance i feel like more is demanded of her than is demanded of any other singular actor in the film but oh she's absolutely staggering in this she's phenomenal yeah she, she's amazing i elizabeth moss is amazing she does not have a ton yeah. to do in this she yeah. is amazing her her turn as her version of the tethered is right. really great. It's oh my gosh. so the, the, chilling. The scene of her in the mirror or whatever oh. in the window, whatever it was. Gosh. Yeah, yeah, she's really outstanding in this. Um, I think again, just in general, the production design is just is just amazing. You know the the designs of the tethered's attire. You know, um, if you you do not have to look hard to find within the film itself, but also in interviews and whatnot, Peel is such a great lover of the horror genre. This is it's just peppered with, you know, iconography and 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 uh, signifiers to other pieces. I mean, The Shining. I don't know if you've seen this. There's a shot in Us 
of after the Moss family daughter teenage daughters have been killed. Mm. It's a shot down a hall that is a direct homage to a shot from The Shining with really? the two girls. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Like he's th- I've seen them side by side, and it's like, yeah, it's it's clearly. Uh, apparently, great. there's there's several there's several callouts to The Shining in this movie. I, I have not done a deep dive to see all of them, but um, he is. I, I actually saw it. May have been it was not the red carpet or something like that. I don't think, but in a major promotional junket for this film, he he Jordan Peele was dressed like Jack Torrance. You know, like he had really yeah oh, the that's plaid great. the plaid the plaid shirt. You know, just a, a look that was yeah. in, intended to be. Uh, reminiscent of that. Well, and something that is so uh, th- this this might be deemed bouncing backwards a little bit in our conversation, but something to praise Peel's technical instincts. He has said, and I mean, shoot, creatives can say whatever they want to when they're interviewing and promoting material, but he has said that there is actually a full, complete explanation of like how this underground labyrinth came to be and who did it and all of that kind of stuff. But he, he said he chose to willfully hold all of that information back. Um, not necessarily to save it for a sequel, quote unquote, but just, uh, basically to that, that it wasn't relevant to what he was, what he was trying to do with this film. And what I'm praising there is really skilled, storytellers know how to do the homework, the upfront homework, and then know when to stop explaining and when to stop spelling everything out and then just let a moment or a thing be. And I think that's part of what Peel has just sort of arrived. I know he's not new to the entertainment industry. He had the whole run of Key and Peel and he's done several things. But as a as a film directing storyteller, he has sort of emerged almost fully formed in terms of what he knows he's interested in, how to execute a, a very specific, yeah, deliberate totally. vision. There are some, you mentioned some of the shots. One of my favorite sequences is when, um, I, I guess we could call them Adelaide and Red, the doppelganger nature sort of uh, makes it difficult to know who I'm talking about at any given moment. But uh, our presumed primary version of Adelaide. The well, one that yeah, we're, yeah. yeah. I, I um, think those are safe, safe names. So, um, so when Adelaide and red are fighting and it red is kind of dancing her way through the, the, uh-huh. uh, the blows. And that, that's, that's an incredible sequence to me. That was, that was pretty mind blowing to me in terms of the camera pans back. You see all of the different motions. Uh, clearly they may have used some sort of, camera trickery to cause it to be the same but in the shot it looks like she is doing this to herself right i'm not entirely sure how they pulled that off i mean i'm sure it it involves some digital wizardry but i'm like wow that is that is really astonishing and uh, and again I, i feel like a lesser filmmaker would have taken easier routes and uh and i'm i'm all the more excited to see where he goes from here and what he does from here because he chose not to and uh, i think that's part of what's going to keep bringing me back to this film is a- examining those nuances and subtleties that i missed the first time through uh another this is coming to me because you were thinking about sequences you enjoyed i really loved the uh closet scene of jason and pluto um but you know when they're when they've got the lighter and stuff oh yes when he's trying to do the magic trick and thing yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes 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 um uh, but speaking of this this you know my brain's bouncing all over the place here um speaking of horror signifiers it wouldn't 
I'm pretty sure I haven't read this to know this. Uh, I, this actually might be on everything trying to kill you that I caught this. And then my brain took it one step further, the note of the names, but specifically Jason, uh, Jason Voorhees. Oh yeah. But also notice the relationship he has to his mom in this movie. Oh yeah. 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 I don't know. I was just great. You should be proud of me. I am proud Um, of you. That's great. (laughs) And with that mask and everything, and he's deformed under it, at least from the sort of the nose down. And so, yeah, it's yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot there. It's fantastic. Good on you for what's catching a, that. What's something? I mean, I, I don't care if we steer into theme, but are there other sort of like non-thematic just notes that you haven't picked up on or, or talked about that you'd like to? I think everything sort of attaches to theme because for, for me, I mean, there's uh, we've already mentioned sort of in broad strokes. I will say we haven't we haven't mentioned, and admittedly, he his performance can be a bit lost in the more bombastic elements of it, but Winston Duke is also amazing. He's great. His, I love him. His natural skill set at uh, at comedy, even in the midst of suspense without subverting it, is really uh, deft, and uh, and I think I think he's uh, he's really great, and I feel like he is admittedly sort of living in uh, Lupita Nyong'o's shadow, and again, she's astounding, but uh, but I do I do want to praise his performance as well which i which i also thought was outstanding but no i mean i honestly i I, i'm anxious to talk about theme (laughs) for the for this film um if it's if it's okay you want to you want to just go ahead and and i'm fine i enter the hall of mirrors oh my gosh i know you've got some 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 stuff i i I did so i will say can i can i preempt you of course um if only because i you know you're just probably relatively uh, articulated already, but you put too um, much faith in me, Mister Rouse. Oh, there's no such thing as too much faith in Reed Lackey, um, <laughs> uh, except for that one time. Um, <laughs> so I had this like there's 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 a number of places you could interpret this film towards, you know. A, a sort of capitalistic society, a a a, a racial narrative, a um, I'm not making this up. I've heard people talk about it. A forgive the on the noseness nature of it, but the you know kind of Trump, you know, kind of base overtaking the society type of idea, like this this overlooked class. But so so I think, and honestly, I think all of those work. I mean, more than anything, her her comment of you may touch on this, so I'm just going to touch and go, but the We Are Americans line is is, is as riddled with theme yeah. as you get. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting, and I don't know where you're going, but what haunted me, something that haunted me that I haven't heard too much because you and I are people of faith who who engage this material and chew on it in that spirit, and so not many of what I read or listen to does similarly, so perhaps that's why I wasn't really finding it. Something that has haunted me since I watched this movie was this notion or or, or a a layer I applied to the metaphor that I think is palpable and, and, and kind of scary is, and again, like I have not had this conversation with anybody, so I'm finding my words as I'm sort of thinking it through. I'll, I'll pitch it as the image that, that, that has haunted me is if your starved self appeared to you 
what would they accuse you of having abused or mm. taken taken for granted or overlooked and out and it sounds like i'm even saying this and this is where this is the line i've struggled with in this metaphor and in my metaphor i'm trying to establish here i don't even necessarily mean you know we the scripture can refer to or we culturally and in, in faith can refer to the devil as the accuser i actually don't even mean that like i just mean what are the ways i'm too comfortable is is what i mean i think mm-hmm. or what are the ways what are if if a version of me that recognize the ways I am. And although maybe if you follow this too far, it is unhealthy. I I can actually recognize that too. But like watching this movie and watching this metaphor of a version of you leveling critique at you was, was what I couldn't get away from. What would that person say of you? You Mm. know, like, and, and that's a real like haunting and, and sort of dark place you can go. But I, I don't know. It kind of hasn't left me and it feels a little different, a different shade of the metaphor than what I've been reading and hearing. I don't know if that makes any sense. No, it makes a lot of sense. And the idea of, and, and more, per, more personal, less global is, was the idea. Sure. And I'm a bit torn about it because on one level, I feel like most people would probably fall into a similar camp. And that camp, as I would understand it, would be this, that, there would be, you had expressed something to, time to get real, y'all. You expressed something to me about my individual struggle making it through my life, like just navigating Uh-oh. my world. Wow. Yes. Just navigating my world. Um, is this recent or years ago? This is years ago. We've, we've been, oh, okay, we've been okay. friends for years. This is something right. that, you have, that okay. you've said to me that was an observation about how I approach problems and has stayed with me and has often been helpful in simply identifying the dilemma. And that's that you, you, my friend, said of me, Reed, you have and likely always will have difficulty in deciphering what is someone else's insecurities or problems or resentment and what is your transgression. And that I, as an individual, will always have difficulty because I'm framed to be a bit people appeasing. I'm framed to, uh, you know, and I'll bring this back to your question in just a second. Sure, yeah. But I'm I'm framed to be a bit, uh, yeah, uh, accommodating uh, in general. I don't like people not liking me. I don't like them being unhappy with something that I've done or how I've done it. It's uh, it it is a struggle of mine. And uh, and you had observed uh, many years ago that I would always have this difficulty of, you know, balancing out, okay, when are the times that I have done something that I've transgressed? I have done a thing for which I need to repent and make amends. And what is somebody else holding me account for that was not my fault, was not my responsibility, was not my, my issue. And so when you express this notion of, the other version of myself standing and what would they hold me accountable for, I think that is the same difficulty that would exist perhaps not just for me, but perhaps for for everyone, is where are the lines in which I have done something for which I need to atone and where are what is simply the outgrowth of resentment, bitterness, insecurity, 
just uh, malice? How do I, you know, separate the wheat from the tares in those two particular strains of thought? Because I don't know about how you navigate your your inner thoughts or when you give yourself a bit of a talking to, but I can frequently be Jekyll and Hyde to myself <laughs> because mm-hmm. there are times sure. where I can be very self-affirming or self-encouraging or, you know, hold this perspective, don't lose sight of this, don't forget this, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There are times where, you know, I can be very uh, encouraging to myself or give myself a good talking to, as it were. And then there are other times where, boy, boy, oh boy, I am shackling myself to feelings of guilt or shame or you know, things that I cannot make reparations for no matter how hard I try. And and both versions of me exist. And and I'm, I'm trying sincerely to respond to what you've laid out. And this no, will, this yeah, will yeah, pivot yeah. to what I'm thinking about. Because, because yes, there, 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 do fe- there does feel in my heart. I've joked about it before. And it's not a totally inappropriate metaphor. But I've joked before that I have at least 47 versions of me in, in me. <laughs> um, right. you know, one of them is like the little nerdy professor. One of them's the horror fan. One of them's the super you know religious man. There's, there's several other different versions of me. They're all just sort of competing uh i believe it was i believe it was flannery o'connor who had written that free will does not consist of one will but of many wills within one being and um Hmm. and i feel that way a lot but in scratching towards what us is bringing out i do frequently feel like i wonder which version of myself am i going to get today Am I going to get the version of myself that is hypercritical of me and uh, heaps shame upon myself? Am I going to get the version of myself that is expressing, and we'll get to the literal nature of of us probably in a moment, but am I going to get the version of myself that is basically arising up from the underground and trying to pull me down and trying to say like, hey— you know, meanwhile, uh, you've been living this floating on this cushy cruise line and you need to come down to the reality because you have this to answer for and this to answer for and you have this to uh, to speak up against. And and then there are other times where it feels like there is a version of me that is perhaps a bit, ah, gosh, I, I say higher, but then that sounds like I'm stretching into ego. Maybe it's all ego. There's a version of myself that's a bit higher that is uh, sometimes trying to be comforting and a friend to myself, a friend to my wounds. And when I am sort of enwrapped in the shame or the guilt of a thing is reaching a hand down and saying, no, you know, lift, lift up. And we're a podcast that explores faith. I will get to the Lord in a second. (laughs) But um, I do feel like in the ways in which I interact with myself to to directly respond to your question of what ver, you know what would I stand to hold account for to myself I think I would I think I would be confronted by both I think I would be confronted by a version of myself that would probably be probably have a holistic perspective try to be a bit affirming try to be a bit um, forgiving and reconciling, and then there would be another version of myself that would be somewhat self-destructive, which is a little frightening at times, but there would be a version of myself that would be uh, sort of uh, clutching and dragging myself down, and uh, I feel in my conversations with people that such struggles are not isolated. 
obviously we don't need to go into a whole thing about depression and discouragement and and uh, those sorts of elements but i i feel it's not necessarily isolated that people might be able to relate to those differing versions of you and and not quite sure in any given situation which version of yourself you are going to be and which version of yourself you're going to get in response to the choices that you've made. Again, I have thoughts on the Lord that I'm withholding, not because they're less important, but because I think they're actually more important and should probably uh, be closer to the conclusion of this conversation. But does what I'm saying make sense in response to your inquiry? Or did I take it too far afield? No, 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 no. I mean, that's, that's, it is an exploded metaphor. And so, you know, wrestling into one neat package is not going to work. I mean, I think, I think the film merits the global conversation too. And and so I want to be sensitive to that. I don't know what you're withholding at the moment, but I, as I even feel out this question and even listening to you speak, see, now I'm afraid I'm going to steal your thunder here. You know, don't, you should not Um, fear that. That just made me think of a funny uh, bit from Shazam. They don't have a, a, a code name for him in the movie. So they, they like a bunch of code names get thrown out throughout the film, but one one of them is Thundercrack, and it made me think that when you said Thunder, and he's like, it sounds like a butt joke. Anyway, um, I don't want to steal your Thundercrack, um, but I do think like I don't I don't know. There's a lot of ways in which I have somehow intuitively learned to operate through perhaps my own life's trauma because you know you mentioned this earlier about adelaide maybe you're remembering some explicit text of the film that i can't recall at the moment but i don't know that i would have necessarily stated that i did think she didn't recall anything about this switch for herself but but again i'm not i'm not stating that i just i wouldn't have remembered that but where i'm trying to go there is just trauma itself and these Mm. the mental, psychological, spiritual scars, those things do. And I was very fortunate, extremely fortunate in, in my own trauma to have submitted myself to wisdom and and counsel that was after my benefit and, and long-term good. And I, I would consider those, those explicit people as, you know, the hands and feet of the Lord towards me. And I, I just think, again, forgive me if, if this is stealing some of where you were going to go, it was not intentional. But even as I assess this metaphor that came to me that has haunted me since watching the film, there's such a care that, how do I articulate this? <laughs> read, read there, there's, there's just no end to the accusation. Mm. There's, 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 you, you will never, run dry the well that wants to accuse you. Uh, this, this may come from a spiritual dimension. This may come from a family member. This may come from peers. This may come from uh, an opposing political ideology. There is no, this, this may even come from within your own self. This accusatory, acrid tongued, barbed accuser that, mm. that will attempt to level you and will sometimes even look like you. Mm. And I just think 
where I was going a minute ago in terms of the care I received in, 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 in the wake of my own trauma, somehow I'm not, I, I, I cannot prescribe this for anybody. Like I, I would not know how to do it, but somehow I have developed the, at least the germ of now I not always successful at this recognition that in as much as Christ goes before me, Christ also goes between me and me. <laughs> and that <laughs> sounds so jacked up. But but I just feel that sort of in, in looking at this film, which which hear me, I, I'm not even letting ourselves off the hook for ways in which we should be more accountable and hold ourselves responsible and 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 be participants in the recreation, be participants in the restoration of the world around us. I just think there's such a baby step involved of recognizing that the accuser can look like us and that the Christ's great good on behalf of ourselves and those around us is that even when it looks like us, there is an intermediary that, that takes the blow, you know, and, 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 and I don't even mean that punitively that, that language, but as in reminds us of our real station and our our real place in that picture so that we can continue to put our hands to the plow of the good work of restoration that's i didn't really mean to get that deep that hard that fast i was just i don't know just wrestling through my own metaphor for this film I, sure, i'm worried i took sure. away some of your no 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 thematic no thunder. um no it's fine we can because we we can just make <laughs> you're that. like you're like, why did you just read my notes? Like, <laughs> you were just read. I, how did you get my notes? <laughs> that's so. That's so funny. No, it's. Um, I mean, I think. I think we can. Uh, we can perhaps sort of land it. We can ha- perhaps sort of land it here, because I think. So, it, it, there is a Bible verse that play that plays centrally to the overall film, and that's Jeremiah eleven eleven, which, right. um, incidentally, I just love. Obviously, eleven eleven is itself a visual mirror. You've got right. you know the ones on either side of that. But to read that text of the of the scripture, Jeremiah eleven eleven says, "Therefore, this is what the Lord says: I will bring on them a disaster they cannot escape. Although they cry out to me, I will not listen to them." Which is uh, a terribly horrifying sort of uh, sort of notion. Jeremiah was uh, is is somewhat known as the lamenting prophet he wrote the book of lamentations as well and and it is uh he had a very profound hardship in his life as a prophet the people would not listen to him and he died a rather painful death and and uh, his prophecies did obviously uh, prove to be valid but uh, the people at the time did not listen to him and uh he suffered tremendously for being obedient to what the lord was doing in his life but so what strikes out to me about this, you're talking about this notion of what would we ourselves try to basically hold ourselves accountable for. Something that that makes me think of is that in the film, the the red sort of rises up. And uh, something that I don't think we were explicit about. If you're listening to the, fi- if you're listening to this and you have not watched the film, we've spoiled the major twist. But I don't think we've actually sort of uh, expressed the the main narrative through line of the film, which is you have this family: mother, father, 
and two children, and they go to this beach house. The uh, the mother in this scenario is then they are confronted by, and this is in the trailers. They're confronted by their mirror selves, who then uh, somewhat terrorize them. It, we alluded earlier that it is revealed that they are not the only ones who have mirror selves; that there are mirror selves uh, for everybody, presumably in the nation uh, that we're living in this underground sort of world. But here's what's interesting to me about what you've what you've posed there and when red sort of comes up they they emerge to the scene they're standing on the edge of this you know sort of family primes beach house and then they begin to torment them they begin to uh to haunt them as it were but what's what's fascinating to me is that the film plays around with the ways in which they are controlled or can be controlled. Like, for instance, um, Jason is able to influence his doppelganger literally to the point of making him walk backwards into fire. You know, like, he, he picks up on the connection and makes him walk backwards. But what fascinates me is they... the, the Red, uh, the, the alt version of Adelaide, and uh, <laughs> who we later learned was actually... Was actually prime version of Adelaide and and got kidnapped. But uh, she says, we have looked forward to this for so many years. She says, this is the untethering. That's what that's what she calls it. They all carry scissors, you know, to, to sort of uh, symbolically snip the, the connective cord between these two individuals. And here's what I think you're you're scratching and I held back my thoughts on the Lord. I'll bring them in now and perhaps this will be it because it, it's, um, it, it's kind of a big deal to me, that the answer we would want is perhaps initially to say, well, which, which version of ourselves uh, should we stick with? And this film challenges that tremendously, because our hero for an hour and 45 minutes is Adelaide. She's our hero. And we learn in the last 15 minutes that, oh, she used to be a tethered, and she switched places with this other one. So this person we've been rooting for this whole time is actually, arguably, the primary villain of this piece. And that's a, that's a real important pivot. Um, because when you're talking about what your best self looks like, I don't think anybody would say their best self would be somebody who disadvantages others so that they can get ahead and get the life they want think morally we would all agree there's problems with that um best version of self also would not be tethered rising up and murdering each of their counterparts <laughs> to uh you know to sort of uh adjust the spectrum of balance in the world but i think what the lord pushes us towards and compels us towards is something much more difficult and much scarier than an untethering, and that's a reconciling. Mm. That there is a unified self that if we were to view, we don't talk a lot on this show, we don't use the word sin a lot. It's got some baggage to it. I'm not afraid of the word sin. I believe in sin. But I'll use the notion here that among a multitude of other things, sin, by its definition, causes a schism. It causes a break. It causes a separation. There is a gap by choice, by condition, 
by all of these different things. There is a gap, and that gap must be bridged somehow. There's a gap between those who live in the underground in this film and those who live above. And there's a whole conversation we could have but don't have time for, and, and to be honest with you, I'm more interested in the one we're having, of how what station you were assigned to or found your way into or uh, belonged to, quote-unquote, that is your station in life. I do want to point out the metaphor about Hands Across America, that Hands Across America was this gigantic push in the early 80s um, to raise money for homelessness and hunger and poverty uh, to assist with it. And that image, uh, it is intentional irony, that then these people who have been subverted and cast down for however many decades and, and, and however long they have existed down here, uh, then the closing image we have is of them sort of replicating this symbol right. supposedly of, of, of helping homeless and hungry and uh, impoverished people. But what, what I deeply believe that the Lord calls us to is an elimination of the sin in our life. The things which separate us from our Creator, the things which separate us from who He sees us to be. And it is a deeply held conviction of mine that He, the Lord, views us as a unified being. That is what I believe He is constantly pushing us towards there are countless scriptures well you can't you can count them but there are many there are <laughs> many why would you <laughs> there are many scriptures dealing with the war between the spirit and the flesh and the schism that exists between this nature and that nature and you know there's so much in this film about this war with self and this uh this condition of the you know you could take it on a very surface level, although it's a deep metaphor on its own, you could take it on a surface level that says, hey, there is a condition in which your station, the station in which you were born to determines your behavior and your outlook and patterns and all that sort of things. Um, there's another way to look at it that because they are forced to mirror each other, but Red in her communication to Adelaide at first says, while you played with soft and, and, and you know, quality toys, uh, I was, you know, she doesn't say I, but the other girl was playing with toys that were sharp, and when she would play with them, her hands were would cut. You know, there are um, there are mirrors and alternates um, to your condition. There's an old saying that um, you look at somebody in a lower or a, or a quote unquote worse station than you, and should recognize there, but for the grace of God, go I. And that is humbling to remember that yes, that could be me. But it means very little if you don't do anything with that in your personhood, because I do feel like the the different paths, the different pivots that each and every one of us could could walk down that some Eastern uh, ideology would call the yin and the yang, the 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 sort of good and bad, the uh, the differing mirrored natures. I do believe that what. Christ offers to us and compels us towards is a unified self, not an untethering, not frag, not further fragmentation and further separation, but a but a unifying. And it fascinates me. I don't know Jordan Peele's faith philosophy. I'm not even I'm not even 
very assured that he was entering into much faith thought in the crafting of us. But I come from a faith perspective, so this is <laughs> this is the mirror in which I view it. Is they are unt- the the uh, Reds in this uh, in this film the the underground dwellers are trying to untether their circumstance, but by simple virtue of the fact that they've broken free and have begun to you know stalk and assault their primary counterparts, there is some degree of freedom at their at their disposal. There is some degree of agency that they are exhibiting simply by the rising up from beneath. And I feel like we often approach ourselves and our our histories, our family histories, our individual histories, the choices that we make, the proclivities we are constantly cycling back to, we approach that as if it is either or, as if it is binary. And I do deeply feel that what the Lord wants to do, as I mentioned earlier, is to remove the sin from us, remove the schism, repair the schism, if you will, Um, not severing and untethering, but rather unifying and bringing us into a place to where we through his grace and through the forgiveness that he offers us and exhibits for us, that we are able to enter into a forgiveness for ourselves, that we are able to enter into an understanding that what we may or may not have done is not automatically forgotten and absolved, but it is reconciled and redeemed. And it's something that we would do well to meditate on, to reflect on uh, this war with ourself does not end with a defeat on one side, but with a a mutual reconnection and with um, again a a reconciliation of self. And I think that's what's what the Lord and the Holy Spirit are constantly pushing and compelling us towards, um, so that there is no division in the us of the right. title, the proverbial us. Well, and I. I think that us, um, hmm. you know, so now I'm getting energized and you're going to be like, Oh my God, now we got to end Nathan. I didn't mean to ramp you up, but like, huh. I think those first 40 minutes of the film speak very directly and, and the resolution, like the third act finale speak very directly to what you're describing in terms of that personal, I think as I'm sort of assessing what you're saying and trying to layer it over, you would you aren't saying this and, and would not say this in conversation with someone about the things we're discussing. But I want to add, too, that I think there's a way I think personally we've, we, not you and I, but we, the church, we you know, the American church. I mean, this movie is called us or us or United States. And it's about sort of, uh, unintegrated selves. It's about all this sort of stuff that, you know, as you just described, I, I really don't know anything about Jordan Peele's faith story. If there is one, but like this, the imagery, the metaphor is riddled with these touch points. Well, there is, as you described the reconciling unto our own worst selves or are or the the gap filling that happens and in that reconciliation i think what galvanized me in the film was and 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 i'm only processing this through this conversation but 
the the globalized version and and i don't this is what i'm saying you would never have said this isn't the case but i think often we have been prone in our american christian comfort to to just let our own gaps be filled to follow the metaphor mm. to only per, to only to rest at our own reconciliation mm. um neglecting that there is so much in our sphere that needs reconciling and it's really fascinating so i just watched an interview with jordan peele before we recorded and the interviewer says uh, what conversation do you want people to have and his response is I want people to ponder what their part is in the evils they observe. Mm. And it's really fascinating, man. I think, I think in this notion of reconciliation, the non tethered people in the film are just normal folk as it were. But I think there's a way many of us walk around like the tethered. And what I mean by that is we walk around disjointed, unintegrated, uh, held down by forces that are un that we are not privy to with scissors in our hands mm. cutting people whether intentionally or unintentionally and and you know <laughs> some listeners may appreciate this you know i came out of this film and this notion of the us the the i mean the movie is very uh, uh blatant at one point of the whole the old adage of when you're pointing at someone there's three fingers pointing back at you like (laughs) like what are what are the ways we are uh, and so i'm taking your metaphor of the personal reconciliation and 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 let's blow that out of like what are the ways we are complicit in the unreconciling of of those around us and and this is the this is the loveliness of this film is like this particular conversation you and I are having as inspired by this movie could go on for hours. Oh, absolutely. It could. Absolutely. You know, it could. Um, but I, I just think it would be unfair to, to leave the conversation without recognizing, you know, as much as I got heartfelt a minute ago about the personal reconciliation to self I've experienced uh, firsthand. It was from others mm-hmm. who sought to impart reconciliation to me. Right. You know, yeah, and, and, course. and, and that cannot be overlooked as we, uh, as we conduct ourselves as people of faith in the world. Mm-hmm. That if you are not, and will it always be this binary in black and white? Maybe, maybe not. But in this moment, what I feel is if you aren't imparting reconciliation and actively working to fill those gaps for people and people groups and and you know those beneath your station by virtue of their own actions, by virtue of their their lot in life by virtue of their birth conditioning like if you aren't working to impart reconciliation in those in those uh spaces that need filling well friend you might be having scissors in your hand cutting people uh uh maybe even unawares mm-hmm. um maybe even intentionally but like if our disposition is not one of reconciliation of ourselves yes but of others as well, are, are, are we even doing the work? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Of any, anyway, anyway, we, we could go on and on, I'm sure. Yeah. It's, I mean, it definitely has a lot of, there's a lot of richness to it. My only comment in the, the, the reconciliation versus scissors in your hands is it always drives me up the wall 
when somebody conveniently I'm gonna I'm gonna level this accusation at my fellow brothers and sisters uh, in the faith. Conveniently, they always want to talk reconciliation when somebody is challenging some challenging their station and position, and then they'll want to uh, champion. Oh, we should you know we should be peaceful. We should be faithful. But when they're when the tables are turned and they are the ones being somewhat uh, cast down, subverted, as it were, then the scissors really come out. Then it's like, no, 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 you got to cut ties. You got to uh, unseat this power. You've got to, you know, revert this back, like, you know, put this back to where we're back up in in positions of of uh, power and control and something like that. And then somebody else beneath them starts trying to sort of rise up and be like, hey, you know, can we have a level playing field here? Or can we at least approach a level playing field? And they're like, no, we want to be reconciling. Don't be, don't be antagonistic language. Don't, you know, go, go eat your rabbit. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I mean, I I definitely think we could, uh, converse about this film for another three hours. I, I, let's, let's leave it there is my suggestion. Um, and, um, and let's go ahead and bring it into it, it. Yeah. Let's bring it into the fog meter and we can give our overarching, uh, thoughts about this. So the fog meter, this, uh, measurement by which we, uh, gauge each of the films that we encounter, uh, we measure it by the title of our podcast, Fear and Gods. I'll, I'll go first on the fear measurement. Admittedly, not because of the trailers, but I feel like there's a tremendous amount of tension and suspense in the film, um, but I feel like it is so intellectually rich um, that it uh, it does not get very base and fundamental in its horrors. I'm going to land at a six at fear. I think that's fair. Um, it is interesting, like, I thought the trailer was terrifying. Mm. I mean, it just had yeah, such yeah. a great, had such a great vibe to it that I was a little let down by what I felt wasn't that scary. I do think it scares or not even scares plural. Like, like the scare of the movie us is existential. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's a lot less sort of practical. And so I, um, I think I'll, I'll join you at the six. I think in terms of the God factor, uh, I want to see it again. Where I'm at right now is an eight. I don't have mm. enough. I'm a, I'm a little hazy. It's been several weeks now, and I was so kind of punched in the brain by it that I, I don't I don't remember <laughs> some of it. So I, 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 based on our conversation, based on what I know is just sort of multi layered kind of art making, and that and those multi layers are rich and subtextual and high metaphor for how who how and who we are i'm gonna land at an eight it, there's a world where i may bump that up one or two if i were to see it again but for now i'll, I'll go with an eight um i think not 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 to intentionally one up you but i'm just so torn between eight and no, nine. I man am... if i had a nickel for every time you said that in 20 years <laughs> <laughs> i uh no sincerely like i'm so uh waffling back and forth between an eight and a nine that i'm gonna land at an eight and a half um <laughs> so because i'm like yeah it's like i can't decide so well i'm just gonna go half um because i agree with you there's 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 so much to it there there's absolutely so much to it's it. almost I don't mean this, but it's almost too much. Like, it's like, oh my gosh, I don't, man, <laughs> you, you pull a little strand here and you're going to be there for hours. Yeah, no question. No question. Um, okay. So, so with that in mind, we give us by director Jordan Peele on the fog meter, 
which as we point out almost every episode is much harsher than our previous metric, uh, we do give it a 7 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> which is I mean that's which is understandable. That's strong oh, it's very meter. strong. Oh, for the fog meter, that's that's exceptional. Um, so yeah, we do. And and now the the key question here is: Would you, Nathan Rouse, recommend this film? Would you recommend us to the general viewing public? I think I definitely recommend it. I think it almost requires a conversation, though. Like okay, sure. Like it's 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 a very if you watch that trailer and you go expecting some taut sort of horror thriller it might not be what you end up with and so yeah. like i recommend it in terms of you know going to the movies consuming art absolutely i just think it it will yield a possibly unexpected results if you sure, don't kind of sure. have a deeper knowledge of what you're going to no absolutely um yes it is a it's a firm recommendation for me I think your uh your asterisks there of probably requiring some following conversation, some follow-up conversation to explore the metaphors and, and see how you feel about what the film is trying to say um, would be rather required. But uh, but yeah, I would definitely recommend uh, this film. As I mentioned before, I liked it uh, even more, at least upon initial viewing, than I did Get Out, uh, which further solidifies that Jordan Peele is just a filmmaker I am excited to watch. I think yeah. he's he's so. really I'm very very curious to see where he goes next and what he chooses to explore and uh, so Nathan uh, that that's been us that's been that's uh, us there, us, there it's we just are us yeah us is in the just books us. Um, so it's t- us discussing us us just us and us. just us and us um, so so uh, next whoa. week uh, whoa so next week if all goes according to plan. Uh, we have something very special next week. Um, we have been encouraging and compelling you for some time to be reading up on one uh, Pet Cemetery by Stephen King. Uh, the time has come. As long as scheduling holds out, we will next week be diving into not only the 2019 film, Pet Cemetery, but also probably spending some time with the 1989 film, Pet Cemetery, and especially the actual text of Stephen King's book from 1983. Pet Cemetery, absorb it, read it. There's an audio drama that's fantastic. There's a documentary about it. There's all kinds of stuff out there. Acquaint yourself with the admittedly dreadful and bleak but wonderful and powerful story, Pet Cemetery. And we will see you next week where we hope to uh, have a few surprises up our sleeves. Yeah, all right. Well, you know, Reed, sometimes... Us is better. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so Nathan, as always, thank you so much for having this conversation with me. I appreciate it. Absolutely, my friend. I appreciate your role and and reconciling me to my shadow self (laughs) for 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 twenty years now. Likewise, my friend. All right, everybody, check up Pet Cemetery, and we will see you guys next week. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but it is not the end of the conversation. You can continue this conversation in a variety of ways. On Twitter, at The Fear of God. On Instagram, at Fear of God Podcast. You can like or follow us on Facebook or 
join the Fear of God Facebook discussion group. Follow Reed on Twitter at Reed Lackey and Nathan at the Nathan Rouse. Email us at fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com or visit morethanonelesson.com to comment on the official episode posts. And lastly, if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating or a review. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Carnival in in California, Santa Cruz um, bitch. Okay, <laughs> sounded like you said Santa Cruz bitch. <laughs> I need to take it again because that is not what I thought, but that's absolutely what I said. <laughs> I just, the word came right out of my mouth, and I was like, I cannot believe that. <laughs> oh goodness gracious! They're in. Uh, they're actually in Santa Cruz Beach. Okay, where? <laughs> Santa um, Cruz Beach. Okay, okay, gotcha. I got five on you. Um, <laughs> so. Hi, everybody. <laughs>